Hey guys and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. We are currently sitting four days away from the start of shows in Scotland. Um, For those of you that don't know, I maybe said this in last week's podcast, there's only really um, a couple of months where federations will come up to to Scotland um, and that is in April. There's about three or four shows back to back and then two two shows in, in May. And thereafter, like that's really it. Um, you know, it's funny when you think of if you don't live in the UK, um, Scotland, Scotland, England, obviously underneath the United Kingdom. Um, but there's shows down in England, like every single weekend, multiple different federations, um, from really April, maybe the end of March, all the way to October. But up in Scotland, obviously, we're just a uh, uh, you know, there's not as many people. Um, and therefore, there's not as many people that do bodybuilding shows, and then that meaning that the federations just don't necessarily come up here too too often. Why? Just they just wouldn't make money. Simple as that, right? Because there's more people down south, and um, that'll do shows. They'll be willing to travel. And it's funny. I was having a conversation with my uh, my training partner Chris, my leg day training partner Chris, and what we said is that it's funny how much like Scottish bodybuilders, athletes, like we're very willing um, to travel down south to do shows, and and we'll do that quite quite readily and, and I did it last year multiple times, five times um, but it's funny how much like you'll never see anyone from down south very really come up to Scotland to compete because then why would they? They would just hold off and do a show the week before or the week after that you know you've got one PCA show up here whereas down south you'll have you know I don't know close to about 25 other PCA shows that they can choose from across the year two bros you know IFBB they don't come up here um, we've got an IBFA show UKUP show, UKBFF Dundee, and um, yeah, and that and that PCA show. So there's um, a few different federations, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's why I think that the Scottish shows, the standard might not be as 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 high. If you were to go to a show down south where there was a lot of numbers of competitors, then you'd see the standard be that little bit higher because there's more people. But I think what what I've seen. Um, in these earlier shows down south, is there's just not been as many people as there has been in, in other show uh, in previous years. I kind of think it's due to the fact there's so many shows now that they, there's literally like, for example, one federation might have a, a qualifier on like every single weekend, and um, so then it's just it's easy to pick and choose shows, and it means that the competitors, the athletes, are spread out. So sometimes some people are showing up and. You know, there's there's only a couple of people in their class, or they're the only ones. Um, so maybe you know, if it if it continued, um, that they, they might bring that down. Although I personally think that just bodybuilding as a whole is getting bigger, more popular, um, especially your first timers. The standard of first timers is getting becoming incredible. Um, but no, I've got a couple of clients competing um, this coming Sunday, uh, the week after. Again, a couple. Um, one who's not competing this Sunday, and then the the thereafter, um, one in the final two shows. So yeah, it'll be um it'll be it'll be exciting. It's be going to be good to see everyone there. If you're listening to this podcast and you're going to be at either Grant City, PCA Scotland, um, even UKUP or uh, UKBF Dundee, you know, please do come and say hi. It'd be great to hear from you um about your journey or you know you want to chat chat shop or anything at all like that. I'm more than happy to have. A little bit of a chat, but there was definitely something, um, a common theme that I w- was having with a conversation I was having with new clients that I wanted to to do a podcast on that I figured I, I probably should have done this a long time ago. Um, 
don't know don't know maybe why I've not chatted about it. I think it's maybe something that's missed in online coaching. And it's this concept of get the muscle strong, not the movement. And you're probably thinking, well, what does that mean? So a lot of people that I work with are first-time athletes. They've maybe they've maybe taught themselves in the gym or they've had a bit of coaching from a one-to-one personal trainer and they've got great foundations and they kind of know the whole rigmarole of okay progressive overload and getting getting stronger but when it comes to so part of my checking process is I do like video analysis of their training a couple of training videos across the week when we have an, an issue like maybe perhaps like of on um on a hip thruster I'm not getting really anything in my glutes it's all my lower back and my hamstrings when I ask them about what's what's their internal coaching what's their internal cues um it's very often met with um cues that are like oh I keep my weight on my heels um and you know I keep my core tight I do this blah blah and I, I go yeah well, that's that's fine but tell me what's your internal cues it's often met with a little bit of a blank look and this is where I think well if some of the clients that come to me are, are thinking this and they're they're well you know they've got a lot of experience they know how to move then I should probably be chatting to you guys about it as well so that you can get benefit from that and this is where it stems from getting the muscle strong and not just the movement. What we don't want to do is just have any move become about momentum. I think that the the coaching cues of weight on our heels and, and drive up and squeeze at the top and all that, they're all great, especially for someone that's maybe just getting into the gym. But if we want to take our, our physique to the next level, then we must be thinking internally what's going on with any move. And by that, I mean, we need to be thinking about are we getting tension in the target muscle group at its extremities throughout its contractile range or are we just moving the weight? So that was a fancy word. That was a couple of big fancy words in there. So we've got to think about, right, I guess, you know, let's use uh, let's use a hip thruster as an example because, let's face it, we all want to build a big fat booty. Um, I know I certainly do. Um, and a lot of the female, the bikini girls that I work with, again, they want to grow their glutes. So when we're at the bottom of the hip thruster, rather than think about, let's, you know, let's think about a barbell hip thruster, even, even a glute drive. When we're at the bottom of that lift, we have to think, what, what, what muscle are we trying to hit? So we know it's the glutes, right? Because we've got them in a little bit of a, of a lengthened range. But seeing that position there, what I want you to do is just, if you're listening to this, I want you to visualize that position. Or maybe you're in your house, you know, get, get to the edge of the bed, edge of a chair, and get to the bottom of a hip thruster position. Now, have a think. Are you actually getting your glutes on and active before you move? So this is what I would we we like or what we call initiation. So people will say, right, I'm going to initiate from my glutes. What they're meaning is that I'm going to get my glutes on. I'm going to contract them. I'm going to get them firing. Now you may be unaware of how to do this. You may just have this like insane like squeeze at the top and that's fine but you're missing out on part of the contraction to to get the muscle on to get some tension to get some breakdown and to get an adaptive response from it now this is something that i really struggled with um, i had really sort of inactive glutes years ago and it was i had a lot of lower back pain a lot of knee pain just due to not using them so what i used to do was i would the position i just described i'd kind of get to the edge of a bed and whatnot and i would have i would take one hand and I put them on either sort of glutes and I always have this analogy that if I was to just lightly press into my glutes 
I want to try and like be met with a brick wall. And by that, I mean, I want to get my glutes firing, get them on, get them active so that if, if someone was to press into your glute, it's like, boom, there's a brick wall right there. Um, it's a similar analogy to what I would say on an RDL with your hammies. But anyway, so rather than think, oh my God, at the bottom, I'm squeezing a 5P between the cheeks. It's a case of you get them on, you get them active, right? So that's what we we are thinking, we're talking about when we say about initiation. And this is really a, a contraction at a point in the, the, the muscle's contractile range. We have a, a contractile range of where a muscle's short to its mid-range to then where it's, where it's long. So we know the glutes are in kind of like a mid to lengthen range here. Now, if you're not used to, if you're not used to getting your glutes on in this kind of lengthen range, you might really struggle. Um, to do this but I promise you that if you work on this out with like out with actually the gym out with doing the move itself with load on it will pay, pay off dividends and you'll find that you will get so strong versus where you are at the current moment so what you would think about is right I've got my glutes on now as I come up yes you can have the whole right keep my weight on my on my heels um blah 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 but we're going to think about squeezing a fucking walnut between your glutes between your butt cheeks now as you come up at the same time we know that the um to get the glutes short we need what's called a posterior tilt of the pelvis now if you're not sure of what that means think about the bottom of your spine think about it like well, imagine you had a tailbone we're going to tuck that up towards the sky and imagine we're tucking our pelvis underneath towards the sky whilst we have this initially you know squeeze the fuck out the glutes and we we draw our abdominals in as hard as we can that's what people miss they try and throw the bar up as high as they can as quick as they can squeeze their butt and they that you see their abs are distended but to get the glutes to get this sort of tilt that i'm on about we must have this squeeze of the abs now what you know you've went from lengthened mid so now you're trying to get them short. Now, if you've never been there and you've never done a couple of these coaching cues, what you'll find is you'll be incredibly weak there and it will fucking hurt. Like you'll, you will know about it, right? Now, once you've got to that point, you, you don't just drop down. You know, you see some people, they drop straight to the floor. Actually, if it's hip thruster, you're going to be, you know, off the floor in the bottom range, but You'll go there, you'll hold it for a second, you'll pause, and you'll come down really slowly, right? Still thinking about, if, if it was me, maintaining as much tension in your glutes, hammies, and hammies at that point on the eccentric, on the way down, as you as you possibly can. Now, what you got to do is that focus, so, so this is where like the analogy, get the muscle strong that the movement is coming from, isn't it? That if you haven't considered any of those coaching cues, what I've just said, you might be thinking, fuck, I don't do any of that. And that's okay because I didn't do any of that years ago. Like I I remember I was being coached by James Sutton and we put out this as my program and I messed him. I was like, James, these kill my lower back and they, all I feel is my hamstrings. And then he, he said to me, he was like, what's your internal cues? And I was a bit embarrassed at the time. I didn't know. I didn't have them. But we chatted about it. We chatted it through. It involved me having to do some glute activation before my sessions. So that meant um, the, the sort of hip thrusters that I just told you about, um, the proprioception of putting my hands on either glute 
Um, and then also, you know, I'm a six foot four guy, I would do body weight glute kickbacks as well as an activation. So what I would do is I would get my hand on, um, I put one, say, put my left hand on my left glute. I would initiate my glute, I'd squeeze it, and then I'd kick it back. So what I needed to do, and this is what you you might need to do as well, you might have to to, to re, like, reteach your body, uh, say, how, how to fire your glute before you move. Because if you've gotten the habit of just moving and your body's not sending the signal, then it's kind of a case of almost needing to retrain it, reteach it. So for me, I, I needed to teach my body, glute on, move, glute on, move, glute on, move. And I did this before every session, either whether it was a quad focus session or whether it was a glute hamstring dominant session. And honestly, within four weeks, I could feel every single part of my glutes on that hip thruster, no bother. And now, this is coming from someone that is, is hip thrusting for a pause, you know, almost 300 kilos. So it's about 290 I'm doing at the moment for this top set, but I'm just starting pushing. So I know that within the next sort of like six to eight weeks, I'll get that up to 300. Um, and I feel every ounce of that in my glutes and none of my lower back and none of my hamstrings. But what we must do is we must maintain this focus, this sort of control, this in the muscle as we have, as we're trying to progress the load. Like I think I'm, I'm one and have been over the years bad for like putting the weight up, getting too excited about putting the weight up rather than, okay, well, I've just put the, you know, I've just done a set there and out of the eight reps, the last two weren't great in regards to how I felt it, but I did eight reps. Now the old me would see eight reps and think, fuck it, time to put the weight up. Whereas now I'd be more inclined to say like, right, I need to improve the muscle fiber recruitment in those last two. I need to maintain that focus before I've earned the right to put more weight on the bar. Now, if we think, right, and though, you know, maybe I felt something, but not as much. Whereas if I was to do uh, eight reps and three of them, I felt nothing in my glutes. You know, I, I lose, if I was to have lost the tension in those last three and just moved the weight because, you know, it's my ego taking over, then the load means nothing, man. Like uh, th- those, those last three without that sort of, internal thought cue and then the getting the muscle on and whatnot we're getting very little benefit from from those sort of reps now what you'll find is that it's obviously a lot sore there's a bit more of a, of a breakdown um because we're we're trying to get we're, we're recruiting more muscle fibers to do the work and ultimately we're taking those fibers to a point of fatigue to which they, they can't produce any more force right so it's it's supposed to hurt it's not going to be easy, right? So we still need to have this focus of progressive overload in trying to get stronger as a whole. But what what we mustn't fail to do is really think that it's the muscle we're trying to get strong, not just our ego and, and the weight on the bar, if that makes sense. We're trying to evoke uh, an adaptive response from the body. And it's pretty cool when you think of it, right? What you do in the gym, uh, the, the breakdown of muscle, the, the, the body kind of sees that as a as a threat to its survival and it wants to cope with that threat um, accordingly. So what does it do? It, it gets you stronger. Now, we kind of know that, so we obviously want, say, bigger glutes, so then we put more weight on the bar and, and then the process is kind of always ongoing. 
but it means that there's going to come a point where you, you may be looking at your logbook right now and thinking, fuck, my numbers are already pretty high. But then I'd, I challenge you to, to say, right, well, are they high with you feeling absolutely everything in the target muscle group across every single lift? If the answer is no, then you maybe need to strip back to to then take one step forward. Because, you know, let's say you're, uh, you're pro- if you're listening to this, you, know, you could be a first-time bikini girl or, or figure athlete or, or whatever it is. Um, and you maybe are trying to actively gain muscle in your glutes. Now, maybe you're hip thrusting 100, 120k, but out, uh, of the 120k, you know, how much are we actually feeling in our glutes? Those coaching cues, that, that internal cueing that I, I, I talked about, say, 10 minutes ago, are you thinking about that as you move? Or are you just moving the, the weight mindless from A to B? Again, I want to reiterate that it's not a bad thing if you're doing that right now, that I'm, I'm just trying to offer you this piece of advice to help how you can how it helps you sort of level up your training and then ultimately level up your physique. And if you if you do this and you find it gives you more improvements, more strength, more more muscle growth, I want to know about it, man. Drop me a DM, tag me on your stories um, from listening to this podcast. Reach out and just say, Vaughn, hey, that was great and, and, and this is what I'm seeing a benefit. Because again, this is, this is why I do it. But... If you have stripped, you know, if you have to strip your weight, your weights back it's, again. Don't see that as a bad thing. See it as a form of progression. Because imagine, just imagine that when you get back up to the weight you're doing now, think of how much bigger your glutes will be, or you know, whatever move we're talking about. Maybe you're doing a chest press, or maybe you're doing a lat pull or whatever. The same, you know, similar thought cues apply. This, this is just one example that I've been given, but we can apply that same thought process of right on a lat pull down. Where are we trying to initiate the tension? Where are we squeezing? Where, where's our thought process of driving? What's our di- direction of, of pulling our elbow in to the body to? Et cetera, et cetera. But remember that if we do build back up and then you're you're trying to like, because you'll build back up fairly quickly on the likes of a hip thruster to take yourself to new new points. Like there's going to come a point where like you're going to need to get a little bit aggressive, right? Now, I'm not saying you need to be an aggressive person. You need to shout and swear, right? But it's got to be a sort of controlled aggression, in my opinion, to help you reach these newfound levels of muscularity. If you look at the best guys and girls on stage or you know on Instagram in front of a camera, photo shoot, whatever, just sit back. If you're in the gym, if you're in the gym with them, sit back and watch how they train. And just tell me, is it, are they training like a timid kitten or are they training like a fucking lion? Now, don't be wrong, there's a few bell ends out there that train like a timid kitten and just are genetic freaks and, and they look the part and they, they grow from just looking at a dumbbell or whatever it is. But for the most part, the common theme between those guys and girls that are in the, you know, in the best shape of the industry is that they train fucking hard. You know, that's something that cannot be taught, it must come from within. So I'd ask you to challenge yourself. Is okay. You you maybe are getting the muscle on. You maybe are initiating from a certain point and maintaining tension. But are you really training hard enough? Like ask yourself that question. The amount of videos I get from clients where I my reply is you know giving them tips on form and blah blah blah. But it's it usually ends with it's not heavy enough. You're not training hard enough. You're not training hard enough. Um. Not everybody wants to train hard, I get that. And if you don't want to train hard, 
like I'd, I'd probably say, well, why you know why are you listen to this podcast? Because you know I'm all about training hard, and there's other methods that could work for you, like reps and reserve, or whatnot. But to to see your true potential, um, I've noticed through myself, and then obviously from, from training with clients as well, is is training close to it doesn't need to be a failure, but very very close to that failure point, um, to the point where if it's a hip thruster, as you're kind of coming up, you have a physical inability to to pull your pelvis underneath. To get your glutes right together, squeezing that fucking wall between the cheeks. That's what I would deem as um, absolute, you know, muscular failure. Is the point you can't move the bar, um, or to which you try to, your form goes and you end up throwing up, and you say, right, well, I've uh, form forms uh, went to, to pot there on that rep, so boom, I'm going to class that as as my failure. But remember, think back to some other podcasts I've done. Is that it's it's not mindless progressions, you know. Think of that example of you've just done eight reps on a hip thruster, the last two didn't feel good. So then the next week your progression is to get those two feeling good before you've earned the right to put the bar up. Have a, a listen back to my podcast about my approaches to progressions. But I wanted to just emphasize today about are we getting the muscle strong or are we just getting the movement strong? There's some movements that might require... Um, a little bit of more leeway with this, like a like a deadlift from the floor um, is a pure strength movement, but I'd still argue, like for me, I have to squeeze my glutes as hard as I fucking can at the bottom to, to move that weight and to shift a decent load. And this is coming from someone that shifts, you know, 260K, um, which is probably an absolute shite amount if you compare it to, you know, some of the strongest bodybuilders out there, um, even in Scotland, like the likes of Greg Taylor, um, makes my 260 deadlift look like a little sissy girl because um, you know he's he's doing a stiff leg with that and he's doing like 20 reps but and, you know and he's just so strong and so consistent with his progressions um, there'll come a point though right I, I wanted to emphasize this is there will come a point where you, you think about this you think about this and you have to actively do it if you do that for long enough there'll come a point where you'll have kind of trained your body and your mind to do this without thinking it will be a an uh I thought something that you don't need to necessarily think about. Try and think of, try and think of thoughtless is the word. It will be thoughtless as you do it. You will get into the hip thruster. You'll get into the first rep, and you'll do this without even knowing it. But at first, and for me, all those years ago, I had to really, really think about it. And I've got a couple of clients who the reason I use it, I'm using it the word of a hip thruster is because they're really struggling with this move. I know they'll be listening and I just wanted to give them my two cents. We obviously spoke about this a lot back and forth about just about my struggles back in the day. Even like on an RDL, the amount of times I have a client in the saying they get sore back on a, on, a, on an RDL. We talk about their coaching, their internal cues. They're nothing like I want them to, to be. We have this switch, this internal focus to, okay, at the top, our hamstrings are on. They're like someone's trying to push, push in and we're like they're like a brick wall abs are on, we maintain that tension on the way down at the bottom, we switch this tension from our hamstrings to our glutes, we initiate, you know what that means now, and then we actively squeeze our fucking glutes together as we extend the hip forward. They, they've maybe just thought, oh, before Vaughn, I was just thinking, push my hips back, and squeeze my bum at the top, keep my abs on, that was it. But when we add this extra layer on top of what they're thinking about doing, their numbers just absolutely fly, like fly through the roof. So what we have to have to like what's the secret to to new tissue right there's no secret is it is immense loads that you're lifting with immense form and execution like you cannot be one camp or the other without 
like if you're one camp than the other then you're, you're not reaching your true potential you must have elements of both of right i'm obsessing over form and execution and i'm obsessing over weight we need to have both we simply can't be one other so if you're saying to me vaughn is it form or is it load i'd say why not you know why not both is what we need we need to be consistent with our progressions and, and last but not least you know i think we have to the execution of the last rep in the set must look like the first rep or very very similar right if your last rep looks quite different from rep number one it's probably that the load is too heavy but what we want to be reaching is by that last rep is we want to be having controlled muscular failure not just like oh faffing about throwing the bar and it looks like almost a completely different move and um, it needs to be like right the tempo looks the same the execution looks the same. It's just maybe the, the concentric phase, the shortening part of the contraction has slowed down a little bit more because we're fatiguing. We're almost at that muscular failure point. So again, this is why I encourage my clients to video their sets and send it over because I'm like, right, let's look at training intensity. Let's have a chat about your internal like thought process, your cues as you do the set. But then let's look to see like how consistent are you are with that execution with those reps. Is the last rep of the set looking like the first? And I know this sounds like a lot and it sounds obsessive, but it is obsessive. And this is a sport in what we do. Like, you have a look at any sport. Does like does a golfer not video his swing and try and make some amendments to hit the ball straighter or further? Does a footballer maybe not video his free kick? to see like the angle he's kicking the ball at, how he can swing it into the top of the net or or whatnot. That's how we must approach. Like if you're a physique athlete, regardless of whether you've competed before or don't want to compete, I, I don't care if you don't want to compete. If you're really serious about what you do, you're going to endeavour to try and make improvements wherever and whenever you can. I think if you're not doing this and not having this thought process about you know, the muscle over the movement, videoing it and checking, you're missing out on a huge part of adaptation that you can get, and, or, you know, in layman's terms, a huge part of gains that you could necessarily have. Like, I've been lifting weights since I was, you know, 16. I've been properly bodybuilding for six years. Before that, I was always training. So I've been in the gym really consistently for over 15 years, and I'm still, I still video shit. And I still look at a video and go, ah, yeah, that wasn't great. That, no, that, maybe that wasn't the best. Now, when I say that wasn't the best versus what yours, this isn't the best, might be completely completely different. But my my saying that wasn't the best was maybe like, ah, that fourth rep, I was a bit quick on the, on the way down, wasn't I? But I only, I've maybe felt that during the set and it's confirmed to me on the video. So I go, right, next week, control that fourth rep. Or second set, back off set, like right, make sure that the tempo is uh, you know exceptional on this. And then um, yeah, I guess that's my two cents. Um really on kind of well, yes, we're getting the muscle strong in the movement, but what I feel is probably the biggest thing that is missed with online coaching is is video training video analysis, but also this layer, this thought process of how we actually think when we move away in the gym. This is something that was introduced to me by Mark Coles and his team um, back in 2016, 2017, sorry, 2017. Um, James Sutton, Cal at the time worked there. Josh Malley worked there as well. He wasn't actually at the camp that I did. 
But um, that was before they became the muscle matters, then before Cal became the, the sort of team pro coach. Um, and and it, honestly, that thought process, it changed the way I trained, not only myself, but the way I tra- trained my clients because I was a one-to-one personal trainer at the time. But then it just radically changed the results I got, the feeling I got, the pumps I got in the gym and then just the, the progress that I made. So I do hope that listening to this, that you go away and you implement some of these strategies into your own training. Even if you take that initial thought process and you just change it for a move that you're doing that you maybe don't feel anything on, whether it's like a, a lat raise, a chest press, a pull down, whatever it is. Um, and then again, if, if, you, if you do feel the benefit, you go, whoa, that felt different. Let me know about it. Ping me a message, a DM. They're always open. Just, just I, I want to kind of share in your wins. But if there's someone you feel that needs to hear this, that you think they've got a lot of potential, just share this podcast with them or pop it on your Instagram story um, and give me a tag. I, w- I would love to hear about it. So as I said, for those of you that are, are at the, the Scottish shows this season, uh, please come and say hi. Um, if not, wherever you are, whatever you do, give it the beans.